Welcome to another edition of uh, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, we are excited today uh, to unpack uh, a really important topic. And uh, I know a lot of you that are, that are watching this or listening to this, uh, you're concerned about the times that we're living in, and rightfully so. Uh, Bubba actually had um, uh, a dental emergency, so he was unable to be with us uh, for this uh, edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. But I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Barry Chesney. Barry uh, was was available to us uh, to come in and, and talk about this topic. He's the discipleship pastor at my home church, uh, Valleydale Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, so, Barry, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Really, really grateful to be here. And, uh, you know, I know when someone like you on such short notice – uh, it's it's you know this would be difficult for anyone, but those you do, those you don't know this, some of you may that, that watch this that know Barry, uh, but he is the father of six, six children. Now, what's the ages? I'm sorry, I should have uh, put you on the spot. No, that's all right. Fourteen all the way down to one. So this is the odd year. So there'll be fifteen, you know, thirteen, eleven, nine, uh, three, and then one. <sighs> you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. we're okay. You look well rested. Yeah. Yeah, so actually in, inside the studio behind the camera, some of the kids are here watching. So yeah. I'm glad they're here with you. So you were able to bring them with you, so that, that helps. That helps Mama a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we, we homeschool, so there's a little bit of freedom there. So this is part of their education today. Okay, well, good. <laughs> All right, this is great. This is Rick and Bubba University, That's so right. here they are. They're, they're in a college course today. Yeah, there'll be a test following. So so one of the things, you know, we were we were at home, and, and you know, we're always thinking about what's the next topic we want to do on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And, and Sherry and I, as I mentioned uh, we attend uh, the same church where you're the discipleship pastor, and you were doing a series. Uh, we have these Wednesday night series, and uh, and one of them uh, we, we we did a, a different things, uh, different types of religions all over the world, trying to understand them. And and I remember I went to a session. Where you said, "Now the fastest growing religion in America is this," and I, I remember thinking to myself, "Well, what would it be?" And I had some ideas, but. But I was wrong. But when you said it, I, I thought to myself, "Well, that makes a lot of sense." So, so tell us what is the fastest growing religion in America? Yeah, it's secularism. You know, if you think of all the isms, the Buddhism, and um, on and on, uh, secularism is the fastest. And and secularism really is based on a, a Latin word that means seculum, it, which really means ordinary time, living for ordinary time versus living what we would say is living for eternity. And so you look around and you you see so many people just living for ordinary time that is living for the here and now versus living for eternity. Yeah, and, and you do see that. Uh, it, it's, it's like people have come to the conclusion that there's nothing after this. That's right. And uh, Dr. Al Mohler talks about this in his book, The Gathering Storm. He, he begins the book with a, a, a visual image. You remember in April 2019 when uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, when it was burning, you know, that was such a powerful image, and they were show, showing all kind of residents in Paris. They were just grieving, and it was this image. This is the eroding or burning away of Western, of the Christian worldview in Western the Western world. And, so, and what that means is that no, the Christianity is no longer the authority for so many people in, in the Western society. So you think of where we get our moral values, uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable marriage, all of those things come, as we know, from a biblical worldview. But in a secular worldview, they say, no, 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 we're going to remove that foundation, the foundation of God, and we're going to replace it with something else. Yeah, and and so when you see so much evidence of this, I mean, we were just doing a, a live show uh, on the day that you and I are recording this, 
And in that live show, I mean, we're, we're, we're in things like everyone's afraid of the question, what is a woman? What is a man? And you know, I, I never thought I, – I knew that things would progressively get worse just from a biblical worldview. Yeah. But I didn't really think in my lifetime that we would, we would be stymied by the question, what is a woman? Uh, but we're there. Uh, and, and that's going on. So how did this all happen? Where, where did it all come from? Well, I, I want to illustrate that uh, politically. So let me read you a comment, and maybe you tell me which president you think this was. So think of the last 40 years, uh, uh, one of our presidents said this, by the grace of God and your help, last year I was elected president. Okay, one more. Our ministry is to do the work of God here on earth. Now, what, what president would you think, say in the last 40 years, what president Sitting president said that. Uh, I, my guess would be maybe one of the Bushes, George W. or yeah. George H. Yeah, I would have said him or, or probably Reagan. That was Bill Clinton. What? That was Bill Clinton. And uh, the first comment was in 1993, the second 1994. Um, nine different times in 1996, Bill Clinton referred to Jesus Christ. Now, that was an election year. But that gives you the, sure. th- that gives you the picture of the, it was acceptable in the 1990s, if you're running for office to talk about, you know, talk about Jesus. Now, um, in April, when President Biden gave his his Easter remarks, he didn't mention Jesus at all. He mentioned the Easter Bunny. So that gives you a picture of wow, we have come that far in what 30 30 something years. How did we get here? Well, that kind of the short story is in the year 1500. Uh, Charles Taylor talks about this in his book, A Secular Age. It would have been impossible not to believe that there was a God. You know, they believed in the supernatural, like if earthquakes, famines, things like that happened, they would say that was some type of act of God. But because of the Enlightenment, which happened in the 18th century, which really elevated reason, before the Enlightenment it was, no, there's a supernatural, there is a God, and man's reason is down here. The Enlightenment, you know, changed that to say, no, man reaches understanding through our own reason. It's really through self and our own ability. And after that, uh, then it became possible to believe that there's not really a God. And so that's, that's the real short version to say that's how we got here is just sin, the, the um, elevation of reason to the point where we say, you know, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure there is a God, uh, and so I'm just going to trust in myself and what I, what I think is right. Yeah, and, and so you, you, you see this everywhere because to me I know that which you defined it, but it, but it seems to be that I understand the secularism of everything, meaning it, this is it, this is all we got, this is the end, there's nothing beyond this. But it, it, we also seem to be almost like adding ingredients uh, to the soup or to the stew mm-hmm. of self-worship. Yes, uh, I mean we we you know we're we're living in the era of something actually called a selfie, meaning I'm taking pictures of myself. And I, I saw a a survey the other day that if you grab you know, someone's phone and they gave the age, what we, you and I would call a younger person. So I'm not necessarily teenagers. I mean, just, but younger people mm-hmm. that have grown up in this area at this era. And it says that if you looked at the amount of pictures on their phone, the majority of the pictures would be pictures of themselves. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, the secular worldview would say there is no binding authority on me. You know, that that's the enlightenment helped us with that. Now I don't want any authority. I don't want anyone telling me, what to do? That's why they don't respect the word of God because I don't want to. I don't want anybody to have an authority over my life. So because of that, that means you have to create your own meaning in life. So 
I find, so if you're a secularist, you create your meaning in social justice. You create, and some of these are good things. Sure. You create your meaning in, I'm going to, I'm going to fight for the poor. I'm going to do all these things, which as Christians, we would say, Hey, we should do that too. But now my meaning comes in that. And so it's based on my feelings. It's not based on any objective um, morality. It's based on feelings. But here, here's the problem with the seculars. If they have the problem with morality, because now like we, you and I believe that there's a moral law in the word of God. God has revealed himself. So that, that applies no matter what age you live in. And Jesus said, love God, love others. That's the essence of that. So because of that, we, we are bound to that. We have a duty to love God and love people. I have, I have a duty to love you as, as my neighbor, as I love myself. But if you're a secularist, you don't have that duty. So right. it's based on feelings, uh, but that's a real problem. So how, how can murder be wrong? Why is rape wrong? If it's just based on feelings, there's no objective, do do this or don't do that. Well, and you see that in, in a very, very touchy subject, and, and, I, and I want to be clear about this. This is, this is not an unforgivable sin. Uh, sometimes things happen and you may not know all the information and you look back. And of course I'm talking about, uh, the abortion on demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there, there was, there was one time we weren't even having a discussion of anything beyond the first term. I mean, even people that were, you know, pro-choice and you certainly can do this as birth control. We wouldn't even have a conversation of anything beyond the first term. Well, now we're all, all the way up to partial birth and even fully birthed. Uh, there's states that are talking about, well, if she didn't, if she wanted to, you know, to terminate this situation, then this baby really wasn't, we, we, we may go ahead and let it lay there and die too. And, you know, because at one time I thought, well, we all agreed that life began after birth, you know, but now that's even kind of up to, to debate if it was a baby that was not uh, wanted by, by the mother. Uh, even late, late in the game. That's right. Well, you you see what's happening here. It's back to, and you saw interviews today, it's back to, well, self is more important. That's right. A- and there is no absolute truth on anything, so whatever I want to do, if I deem it to be okay, then it's okay. That's right. So it, it, you, you, every, The point you were making, like, and in, 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 as late as the 90s, which wasn't that long ago, it was not just okay to talk about Jesus trying to be elected as president. It was probably strategic. Yeah. You know, because most of the people want to hear you say that. We're at the point now where someone would say, look, you're a little radical as a Christian. You might want to leave that out of your campaign. That's right. And and so it, it, that shows, and what we just talked about with abortion, it shows it's a slide. It, it just keeps getting worse. Yes, it does. And even. President Obama and President Trump both mentioned Jesus in their Easter remarks, but President Biden didn't. So just even it's not even a party thing. I mean, because the Democratic sure, president yeah, did oh, it, yeah, you know, yeah. 10 years ago. But um, yeah, you do see the slide. There was there was a poll done in 2010 that said, um, OK, what you know, what are you what is your view on same sex marriage? Many people were against it. Now, that same poll was taken by many, by many of the same people were polled years later after post 2015 when when it became legal you know, what are your feelings now? And many of them were for it. So it goes to show you their, their uh, convictions are not based in the Word of God. Their conviction is based in social standing. And, if, and because they don't, as you've heard, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Right. Well, and what I say many times, and then we'll take a break and come back, but, but many times I try to say this on the show, and you're talking about it. Even we're getting to the point now, like you're saying, I may not even really be sincerely for you. Mm-hmm. But if I think that my social standing requires 
that I even pretend to be okay with something that I'm really not okay with. Right. Then we're just patronizing people. That's right. You know, none of it's sincere anymore. I'm looking at the list of things that I can and can't be, and I look and say, well, this is what's mod now. Again, that's no biblical conviction. That's no what. Even if I really don't mean it, I pretend to care about it because it is either politically expedient or it's socially expedient. That's right. I've been assigned the way I'm supposed to see things, and because it's all secular, okay, that's fine with me. Let me know how I'm supposed to feel about everything. Right. We're losing any kind of moral conviction because we've lost, as you said, the standard and the foundation. We'll continue to unpack this when we come back on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So Barry Chesney is our guest. We're talking about the fastest growing religion in our country, and boy, can you see it, and that is secularism, which means there's nothing after this. I'm living for the, t- for the day and for myself. Uh, of course, self-worship is, is part of that. Uh, but I want to talk about another thing that you and I were discussing, and that is we, we talked about it on the show this week, and, and we, we were questioning back and forth whether this is good information, can it be trusted? Because, frankly, I think it was a little shocking to us, uh, is that in the United States of America, and this is very recent, uh, a very recent survey by George Barna's group, the Barna Group, which you know, I know that some people think that they're to be trusted. There's others that say, well, sometimes I don't. But I think overall they've proven themselves over the test of time yeah. that, that, that they're a pretty reliable source when they do their surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not like their results, but 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 I think that they're they've got some integrity on if they bring something in based sure. on a long history. Sure. And so they've just finished a survey with senior pastors. That's important to note that. You know, the senior pastor should be someone that's been around, mm-hmm. that has been tested, uh, that uh, that has shown integrity, mm-hmm. and and should be the most mature person at the church spiritually mm-hmm. and is in a shepherd position. Is that an accurate? You may call him yeah. something different when I say senior pastor right. based on your denomination, but I'm talking about the spiritual leader of the church body, yeah, the shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep. Yes. And and so that's the only people they were talking to. And they came back that only 37% of American pastors are now, now say they have a complete biblical worldview, mm-hmm. meaning they don't see the Bible as inerrant anymore. Right. Back to what you said in the light we were talking before the break. Uh, if we lose this, and uh, and and I, I've been in these conversations before, where somebody says, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my faith, but I'm now throwing out that book you have in front of you as God's inspired holy word about Himself and us. Right. I'm throwing that out." Then I ask the question: I realize you're throwing it out for over one topic that you don't like, mm-hmm. but if it goes out. Can any topic be reliable? You know, if if God really wasn't giving us His inspired word on this topic, can we trust Him on any topic? Right. And 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 th- and then that leads to an all kinds of chaos. Because if I wasn't really sure He was He was He truly meant that, and I even heard this word. I've heard this phrase said to me. This was mainly on God's standard for marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, He's evolved. And, and when you ask, well, well, how has He evolved? How do you know that? I've observed it. See now we're back to me again. Yeah. I, I'm I'm the final word. Yeah, I'm the authority. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the authority. It, it seems okay to me. It seems he's okay with this to me. And then you look and say, well, but, but here's what he clearly said. His standard was, and that's just one one topic. But if you if you take it away on one topic, 
then when do we go back and go, now this this he actually meant? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, and so where do we go with that? Yeah, absolutely. Does well, that number surprise you, first of all? It does. It, it does a little bit, yeah, that, that senior pastors, because uh, although when you look at the nation, you see that churches are, are struggling, maybe it's not surprising, uh, but it is it is it is interesting. Um, I, so I think of Jude three. Okay, uh, so Jude says, "I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints." So this is not just for pastors; this is for all of all Christians. But our job is to take the faith and receive it, you know, hold it carefully, and then let it become our own, then pass it on to someone else. So you, you you know that well. That's our job as Christians. So it's not my job to change it. It's not my job to make it look more appealing. That's where that's how liberal theology got off a hundred years ago. They thought, no, we've got to we've got to change some things. We don't like the message. We we need to make it more appealing. And so I need to I need to appeal to the culture because I want to be popular. Uh, but that's not our job. And so I I think of Second Timothy three as well. The Scripture is not only is it breathed out for, for, by God, but it's profitable. So if, if, if I'm, uh, as you know, as what we try to do at Valleydale, our whole ministry, everything we do is based on the Word of God because He is the authority. Right. And if He's not the authority, if I'm just going to pick and choose, yeah, then go? I'm on a slippery slope. So when, when, you, when you hear the, these numbers, and, and you're right, I think I just saw a quote from Vadi Bachman. You just said this. And his quote was, It is not my job to change the text to make it more appealing to the culture. That's right. Really, what you just said. Yeah, that's, yeah. We, we just we and God has revealed Himself, and so it's our job to explain the best we can how God has revealed Himself. Yeah, and and so I think where we where we make the mistake, and I really think we make this st- mistake as the American Church strategically. I actually think this is the wrong strategy. Mm-hmm. I honestly do not believe that dumbing down Scripture and dumbing down God to make him more palatable is even something that people truly desire. Right. I think we're wrong about that. Yeah, I, think I, I think when we do that, they become so apathetic about it. They're like, why do I need this at all? Yeah, I was reading just yesterday a book called Deep Discipleship, and that the author was arguing that very thing. He was saying, you know, people don't need less, they need more. Right. So we have this idea of, no, 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 they can't handle no, so we need to do less and less. And you see that. Remember, I mean, you just think 15, 20 years ago, how many churches were doing Sunday night services? How many do it now? You know, oh, people are busy. They need that. So, do you have family worship on Sunday nights? I guarantee most people don't. I mean, maybe some oh, no, do. No, no, Th- this is the old thing that the adage that people say. Well, I don't need to go to church in order to to disciple. I don't need to go to church in order to be in worship. I don't need to go to church to really be a Christian. And it's kind of like the guys that I deal with a lot, you know, in men's ministry. And mm-hmm. and look, I've been guilty of this. It's not me, mm-hmm. you know, con- condemning anyone. But I remember because I would say it. Well, yeah, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I was hunting. But let me tell you something. When I'm up in that tree stand, I'm in the presence <laughs> of God. It's some of my greatest worship time. It's it's even superior to being at the church. So I mean, mm-hmm. I have my time of worship. That was the biggest bunch of hogwash <laughs> i might pray in the tree but right. once that sun came up yeah i was looking for deer right you know i wasn't sitting there going through scripture i wasn't sitting there you know spending the kind of time hearing the word of god being unpacked like i would have been if i was at church that's just not true right. it sounds good yeah because i'm trying to say that you really don't and, and i'm not saying that that, that that going into a fellowship of fellow believers and being under the word of god and being in worship and corporate worship makes us Christians right. or makes us followers of Christ, but if you truly are a follower of Christ, speaking from my own experience, 
because I, I remember being a cultural Christian. I didn't go to church, mm-hmm. and I said, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But when I truly was redeemed, there was a desire to be there, and I realized, oh, I'm not going there to become one. I'm going there because I am one. Right. That's right. And you know, yeah, I, I was drawn to it. Yeah, and part of the thought behind what you were saying about, well, I can do this is really is the idea that Christianity is just between me and God. Right. And, and yeah. your relationship yeah. with Christ is, you know, salvation is. Sure. But it also belongs it also involves other people. Right. Yeah. Right. This is once again saying, well, I want to do it the way I prefer it. Yeah. And I don't really need the rest of y'all. Yeah. And uh, and and I and of course you know the writer of Hebrews uh, makes it pretty clear that 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 that's not what we should be doing. The, the scriptures even tell us not to do that. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean you don't have a spiritual discipline of spending time alone. That's right. not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about taking that corporate worship and replacing it with something like that, and saying I just don't really need it. Yeah, and think of all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in in yeah. scripture. Uh, those aren't just used for just you and the deer stand, or you wherever you are. It's it's you among the body of Christ, mm-hmm. serving other believers. Yeah, and do I have some great time with God in the outdoors? I do. Yeah. I love to go in the outdoors. Yeah. I love to spend time with him out there. Mm-hmm. But does it replace me, you know, being an active member of the ch- of the church that Jesus died for? It doesn't. Right. And and I'm talking about a building. I'm talking about the fellowship of the people, the mm-hmm. fellow brothers and sisters and and um you know there there's something that 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 provides that nothing else quite provides. That's right. And and that's one of my biggest mm-hmm. advices I give people when they're new to the faith. I say don't attend church. Be involved in the church. Mm-hmm. You go and get in a small group. You, When the church has needs, you volunteer. Go be part of it. I've tried it both ways. Attending church is much different than being involved in the church. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and trust me, every single church would welcome you being involved. Yeah, absolutely, because you have a spiritual gift that we need. Right. You know, you think of people have the gift of encouragement. We all need encouragement. Oh, yes. You know, and so you have a gift, whether it's encouragement or serving, leading, we, we, we need you, I assure you. Yeah, so um, I want to I talk about, because I know this topic will come up uh, pretty quick. Um, we, we've talked about the problem and, and the state of the American church, and really the American church isn't really healthy right now. Mm-hmm. True fact? Yeah. yeah it, it, it's not all that healthy. Now, that doesn't mean that the people who are actually attending are not healthy. Yeah. We, we see some pretty wonderful things happening with individual people yeah. inside the church, and there's churches that the ones who are attending are actually doing quite well. Yeah. What I'm talking about, if you sat down and said, is 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 the church growing in America? And 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 pods, you would say yes. Mm-hmm. But as as a as an overall country, it's really no, isn't it? Oh yes. And this absolutely. is not the problem around the world, by the way. It, it it's it's this country. Yes. Yeah. The, yes. You're right. Africa, China. There are places. Iran. The church is growing and it's thriving, and and in, in many ways because of persecution. But but God is is blessing. But. Um, so yeah, as we think about moving forward, what what is the uh, to me the first place to start is upholding the Word of God. Yeah, what do we do? Yeah, to solve this problem, and you say number one, we we got to get back to upholding the Word of God. Yeah, and that means believing this is the inerrant Word of God. This is God's breathed out Word that is not just some great suggestions for life, but I need to submit my life under the authority of the Word of God. And it's only when I do that, then I begin to see, oh, this applies to every area of my life. Right. Now, if I want to be a better employee, I, I need to read the Word of God to see what it says, especially in the book of Proverbs. So I want to be a, a godly husband and, and father. I need to be in the Word of God because it tells me how to do that. Do you think, Barry, that the church, do we, do we shoulder some of the blame for this rise of secularism? Yes, yes. If we're not if if we're not teaching the word of God, then what we're what we're saying inadvertently is you need to go somewhere else for your authority. 
you need, you know, this is your authority or experience or your own opinion is your authority. But if you're teaching the word of God, then what we're saying is, hey, my opinions are not that important. My heart is not that important. What's important is the word of God. But yes, we do have some of that responsibility. Absolutely. Well, when people ask me about looking for a church, I mean, the first thing that I will tell them is be sure that that pulpit features a Bible preaching, Bible believing pastor or Mm -hmm. whatever you call the spiritual leader of your denomination. If the word of God's not being preached there, you don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. You know, if it sounds an awful lot like a Ted talk, I would be cautious. Right. You know, it may feel good for a Sunday or two, but sooner or later it's going to be bland and you're going to stop growing and you're not going to be getting what you need. That's right. And I've had people tell me that, look, I've gone to some of the churches Western churches that that are real got a lot of feel goodism, mm-hmm. and you can't really tell the difference in whether it's a TED talk or a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And they've said, and it can be used to reawaken your faith. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it time and time and time again. But eventually, I left, and I would say, why? Because I wasn't growing, mm-hmm. and I realized now that I had had been reconciled to God through Christ. I desired to go deeper. I desired to mature, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it. Right. It was almost like I came back and I kept hearing the same message over and over again, which was a good worshipful experience, but I wasn't growing. Yeah. And 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 so that's back to what you were saying. We we got to go back to to a deeper dive and and quit pretending that that's not what people want. Whether they know it or not, it is what we want. That's right. Yeah, and it's what we need, you know. Yeah. Um so um I was thinking um about uh, how fascinating and interesting the Word of God really is. You know, I mean, I, oftentimes we may think, oh, it's outdated, people don't want to hear. It, it It is interesting. I mean, no, notice how how well in the last year or two, The Chosen, have you seen The Chosen? Oh, yeah. How oh, well it's yeah, done? Sure. That's just illustrating, you know, things that are in the Word of God. So uh, I, I find the stories fascinating. I love preaching the Old Testament because it, it you read that and you think, I mean, like our pastor will say often, you know, this is better than any Netflix movie out there. You know, this <laughs> if, if you really get into the, the these narratives, it, they're fascinating. Yeah, right, we'll come back and we'll talk about that because I want to ask you, has Scripture warned us about what we're now seeing? Mm. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we come back on Rick Bubba University, the podcast. All right, so I'm going to tell you this. Tommy John uh, has been part of this podcast, and a lot of you are responding. And Sherry and I were just shopping this past weekend uh, you know, every five to six years, Sherry says, "Let's go." I'm taking. You got to quit wearing these same clothes over and over again. And uh, but I, you know, we were discussing that not only does Tommy John make very, very comfortable loungewear and underwear for men, they also do that for women. And uh, she was like, "Going, man, this stuff is really, really comfortable." We we saw some that was on display, and I will tell you this: it it is some of the most comfortable uh, loungewear uh, and underwear that you have ever ever worn and and especially being a guy i I just didn't think there was that much difference Uh, but there's a reason why there's been 17 million pairs of tommy john underwear sold and and people love the loungewear they love the underwear because it just is so comfortable and with summer upon us let me tell you the way they design it you feel cooler uh, because you are cooler Uh, stay up to seven degrees cooler than cotton and tommy john's apollo underwear plus there's no risk because you're covered with tommy john's best pair of underwear you've ever worn or it will be a they'll be given to you absolutely free and of course we're going to get you what 
We're going to get you 20% off. And with summer coming now more than ever, you need to try Tommy John's. So 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. That's TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. See the site for all the details. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, our, our guest is Barry Chesney, discipleship pastor at Valleydale Church in Birmingham, Alabama. It's actually my home church in Birmingham. Uh, if you're ever in the Birmingham area, we'd love to have you come by and join us. Uh, uh, Sherry and I actually teach a, a life group there, uh, and uh, we really have been enjoying that. Uh, and we're talking about the fastest-growing religion in our country right now, unfortunately, is secularism. And we've talked about what that is. Uh, that means that we think this is it. There's nothing beyond this, and I just live for self. And uh, and we and we see what's been going on. We, we've had the 37% of the senior pastors that were just survey, surveyed by Barna said they no longer had a biblical worldview. And the question I asked you going into that break is, has Scripture told us this was coming? And if so, what is an, in, an indication of? So the last letter that we know that we have of the Apostle Paul is 2 Timothy. Mm-hmm. Okay, We think we probably wrote it in 66 AD or so. He died in 67 under Nero. So the last letter he writes, he writes to Timothy. He's mentoring him. Here's a, a young man called into ministry. And so Paul says this, but understand this, and in the last days— there will come times, so he's looking to our future time, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. Mm, there it is. Lovers of money. And he goes on and on, proud, arrogant, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Uh, at the very end, he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Now, then he says, avoid such people. Does that mean we shouldn't share the gospel with such people? No, it just means avoid having deep fellowship with these people because they they may— uh, impact you, yeah. but certainly befriend them, love them, share Christ with them, and serve them. But, but to me, that that, I, I, and I, I'm certainly not adding. I don't want to add to the Word of God, but I wonder if Paul were here, he would say, "Yeah, that, that's where we are." Doesn't that feel like that's where we are? Absolutely. It's I like, mean, when you're when you're hearing that, yeah, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, yeah, and of course, I always make the the little bit of a joke, but I'm halfway serious. Uh, in Matthew 24. Uh, as we see Jesus talking about, you know, that that, that will, lawlessness will increase, mm-hmm. which we see that in the end times, and then he he's saying, as in the days of Noah, you know, people be going about their business as if God's wrath isn't coming. Yeah. And I always make the joke, and you're living in a time where, just outside of Cincinnati, we have literally rebuilt the ark. You know, yeah. I mean, as in the That's days right. of Noah, the, the ark is back. We have it completely restructured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm kind of half joking about that, but yeah. I don't, you know, something about that in the days of Noah and that thing being built, I was kind of connecting those two things. It is interesting. Uh, it yeah. is interesting. But what he really is talking about that we that we won't, we, we really wouldn't say we don't know, is he, what he's talking about is the times will start being very similar. Yes. And, and and when 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 people all they really thought about was violence and destruction and wicked and evil and they thought hey we got time God's not His wrath's not coming uh you know and you know he, that that ark was being built for 120 years which mm. shows God's mercy Amen. in my humble opinion yeah uh, 120 years that He's saying look you're getting a warning from my guy here Noah keeps yeah. telling you what's coming and uh, and mm. just like he's doing he's he's being merciful Peter tells us that you may be thinking why has he not come back. Because he's being merciful. That's right. You know, but 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 don't think he counts days like you do. Yeah. You know that, uh, that this has been a long time for him. Yes. Uh, but uh, but but it eventually will happen. Yes. So can we? Is it is it is it? It's not irresponsible. I mean, we're you and I are not saying we know the day or the time, because Christ said we won't know. That's right. No one knows. Yeah. Yes. So we don't know. But is it is it is it fair to say and not irresponsible to say it's kind of hard to ignore the birth pains? 
We don't know when the baby's coming, like Jesus said. Yes, but but these are some of these things are happening that that seem to be rising right out of Scripture. Yes, they they are happening, and so uh, you know Peter even says that what shot, what type of people ought we to be in in light of being in the last days? And so I, I think of I think of Jeremiah twenty nine. Remember when God sent his as a form of discipline, he sent them into into exile in Babylon, and he says, okay. I want to remember Jeremiah sent a letter. He said, I want you to build houses because they had gotten, they had gotten a word from a false prophet that said, you're only going to be here for a couple of years. And so they were not settling mm-hmm. down. And, and he says, no, 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 you need, you need to understand you're going to be here, but while you're here, Hey, build houses, you know, give your daughters in marriage, give your sons in marriage and plant gardens and eat from them and seek the welfare of the city in which, in which I sent you because in its welfare, you will have welfare. And so I, I think that's a word, and, and Peter, I think, picks up that same exile terminology and uses it in First Peter, said we're, we're exiles that are scattered in all these different places. And so what type of people are we supposed to be? Let's seek the welfare of the city. Let's seek the welfare of wherever God has planted us and be a salt and light of the earth. And, um, and that's how we may not change culture, but we'll be faithful to God. And we'll serve him until Jesus does return. Do you think the mistake that we're making, and I see this all the time with us doing the show here and interacting with people, number one, I think one of the mistakes that we're making, and you touched on it, is it is true that the Apostle Paul said that we shouldn't major in the minors yeah. on all the, the church's disagreements denominationally. Mm-hmm. Don't major on the minors. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we don't know what to do. We always mess up as human beings. And I've heard this in, in, in settings of, brothers and sisters discussing, and they'll take that and we'll go, okay, we got that. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden somebody will say, you know, like the way we act about, and you're like, whoa, whoa, now that's a major. Mm-hmm. I think I think we've lost understanding the difference between the minors and the majors, right. and we think because we're told not to major in the minors, when some denomination is out there preaching a false gospel, mm-hmm. we think we're not supposed to speak, about, speak against that as well. Right. No, no, no. We are told to major in the majors. That's right. Just don't major in the minors. That's right. And I think we don't really know the definition anymore of a major and a minor. Yes. Yeah. There, there is objective truth. And, right. And I would say some of the majors, you know, are the virgin birth of Christ, the return of Christ, uh, sin, that we're all sinners, right. that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is. Uh, he did die for our sins. He, he was resurrected. You know, th- those, those are majors. And you're right. Outside of that, there are things we can disagree. Like when will Christ return? Well, I don't know. And there are different positions on that. But the main thing we should agree that He is returning, right? And and that we have a responsibility to share the gospel uh, in in the, in the meantime until He does return. So we're, we're going to take one more break, and then we'll come back, and, and then we'll just kind of land this with just a few minutes left when our conversation continues on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. I'm really excited about this brand new sponsor. I really, really am because I have been so frustrated with outdoor furniture. Frustrated. Every time that Sherry and I go out and we try to get some outdoor furniture, it just doesn't last very long. It gets nasty really quick. It doesn't look good. It's not high quality. Um, and, and you know, there's no way to really know that when you're in a showroom looking at something because it hasn't been out in the weather. Uh, so I, I just found out about the people at at uh, at outer. You know, ninety three percent of our life is spent indoors, but uh, but so many of our favorite moments when you're talking about it, and you just heard Barry and I talking about it, we always seem to talk about the outdoors. 
the fresh air, the feeling of peace. You know, warmer weather's almost here. Well, for where we live, it's already here. So why not make the most of it with some new outdoor furniture from Outer? Now, this new outdoor furniture company, it was designed on purpose to get you outdoors more because we seem to love it. Uh, they, they make the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, high-quality, which is what I love, outdoor furniture at a, at, a, at a reasonable price, all from sustainable materials, and it's the only outdoor furniture with the patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. When I saw that, I fell in love with that innovation. I cannot stand to have those big old covers you put over your outdoor furniture when winter comes and all that. Then you take them up, you go cram them in the garage somewhere or wherever you put them, then you got to bring them back out again. This innovation is it is it is part of the furniture. So when you say, all right, let's all go inside, you just simply pull it down, cover it up, leave it, come back, uncover it again the next day. So you're going to love that. Uh, as much as you're going to love anything about it. And it's very durable. It, it, it holds the look. Uh, the quality is incredible. And uh, their, their designs to customize your space um, uh, is incredible. And here's another great idea. You say, well, I'm in my neighborhood. I'm going to order this online. It's going to be shipped to me. I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to touch it. Okay. They've got a cool idea called the Neighborhood Showroom. This means if there's people in and around you, and wherever you live there are, if they have outer furniture, they'll set up, and they've got it. this is part of being one of their customers. If you decide to do this, you can go to their house and look at it. Uh, so this is a really great idea. So th- this, is, this is cool. I want you to, to go to outer right now because you are going to thank me for this, and you're going to check out their virtual showroom, which is beautiful. It's a really cool deal. You can see the furniture up close and personal. So go to live, L-I-V-E, outer.com slash Rick Bubba, and you see it for yourself, okay? That is liveouter.com slash Rick Bubba to see it for yourself. You're going to thank me for introducing you to Outer. All right, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. We're back with Barry Chesney. We've, we've got a little bit of time left. We've talked about the uh, the fastest growing religion is secularism. Wish we weren't saying that. But does Scripture tell us that we will see this? And we get this call to the show a lot. You know, when when there is a call from Scripture that there'll be a a a falling away mm-hmm. from the church. You know, and of course now John tells us in his first epistle, if they fall away, they never were with you. Right. You know, and when we say fall away, meaning I leave the church completely. I reject all this. I'm out. You see a lot of, unfortunately, influential artists and speakers in the faith saying, what is it called? I'm reconstructing my uh, faith. I, I don't yeah. quite know what that means, but, yeah. but are they saying what you said? I'm taking some of the majors, and I'm not sure I'm sold on them? Yeah, so, yeah, deconstruction. There's two Deconstruction, di- that was it, There's yeah. two different ways to see it. There's uh, uh, Christianity Today had a really good article on this a while back. There's... Uh, there's one way to see it in a positive sense. In, in other words, I'm looking, I'm reexamining my faith. I'm seeing, you know, maybe some things I believe that it's just, I believe that just because I grew up that way or my parents taught me that, you know, but mm. uh, which is important, but maybe it's not Christian. Or there's a way, the other side of destruction in a negative sense is going through and saying, well, I, I don't really like what the Bible says about this, so I'm just going to tear that page out. We call that the Thomas Jefferson. Yes. He went in and took out all the miracles and the deity of Christ because he didn't like them. Yeah, so that would be yeah. de- deconstruction in a negative sense. So when the term is your, is used, we need to follow up. Hey, tell me what you mean by that. Do you mean like you're just kind of reexamining your own life and you know maybe pulling out some things that are not biblical, or are you taking things out that are biblical? Yeah, so when, when, you, when you look at uh, our approach as the church, you, you talked about we definitely need to get back 
to not apologizing for the Bible. Yeah. What are some other things you think we need to do? Yeah. Uh, uphold a biblical marriage. You know, you, when you got have husbands that you know love their wives and serve their wives, then wives have no no problem going, "Hey, I'll submit to a husband like that." You yeah. know, that loves me and has my best interests at heart. I will willingly and lovingly submit. So I so uphold biblical marriage. Um, and then uh, James Davison Hunter talks about this in his book, To Change the World. He talks about having a ministry of faithful presence. He talks about when Jesus was on earth, Jesus didn't come with earthly or human power, but he had spiritual power. Mm-hmm. So he came and said, you know, even Jesus even said that to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. And he said, oh, so you are a king. You right. Know, yes. Uh, yes. Right. He's a king, but his 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 kingdom is above. Uh, and then I would think that I read this. So my devotional time this morning was already set for Daniel three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading Daniel three this morning. And think, man, this totally applies to what we're what we're talking about right now. So you have you know the story that you have the three Jews. They're they're all told worship, bow down and worship before this oh, yeah. image. Yeah. And and uh, of course three the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not do that, and they're told on. Uh, you know, King, didn't you tell him to, to everybody to do this? Well, there's these three Jews who didn't do that. So he's furious. He calls them in and he asks them, hey, I'm going to give you another opportunity. And they don't do it. And then and, and he flies off the handle. But then this is what they said to the king. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this in this matter. If If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not. Let it be known, or be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So I, I don't interpret that as they're, you know, pointing their finger in the yeah. face of the king. But there was a firmness of, a you know what, you know what, king, we 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 have convictions. We worship the one true and living God, and so I, I can't bow down to this image over here. And I believe that God can deliver me. And but if he, if he doesn't, I'm not going to change my opinion. And so that's the kind of resolve that right. we need today. And, and, and you know the thing that got me about that, one of the biggest indicators about their resolve, and you said it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bunch of shouting and pointing. You remember the way, the way it was set up is the musicians would begin to play a certain song. When they did, everybody had to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. And when they tell, because Nebuchadnezzar realizes he's been caught in the trap, and he doesn't want to throw him in the furnace. Right. And so he's like, well, let me get the musicians. And they're like, there's just no need for that. Yeah. Don't, don't even bother them. I'm paraphrasing now, but yeah. they're basically saying, he's, they're basically saying, don't even worry with the musicians. We already know yeah. that we're not bowing. That's right. We know that. Yeah. You know, no matter what happens to us, we're not going to bow. Mm-hmm. So there's no need to go get the, the musicians and play the song. Yeah. And by the end of the chapter, the last verse in the chapter, and they got promoted. You know, right. now, now, does that mean we'll always get a promotion? Absolutely no. not. But we have to be willing to do that, even if it's not promotion, even if it's the other way. Uh, we have to be willing. But that that type of resolve and commitment to Jesus Christ is first in my life, and because He's first, I'm going to have a ministry of faithful presence in this world. I'm going I'm to uphold the biblical authority. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love, or if I'm single, I'm going to love uh, Jesus first. I'm going to love my friends well, my family well. I'm going to love my children if I'm married, and uh, at my job, I'm going to do the very best I can. I'm going to put, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ uh, by being a great employee. What do you think about? And, I, and I've said this, and we're we're getting close. Is I've I've tried being out there and and sometimes getting in debates and everything. I've tried to make sure that people understand, and I haven't always done this. This is something God has, you know, has grown in me through my sanctification to make sure that we communicate, I'm not against you, I don't hate you, I'm just for him. That's right. This is who I serve. 
That's right. You know, you can almost get people who say, well, you ought to be able to be whoever you want to be. This is who I am. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm devoted to the one and only living God, so I'm standing on this principle not to oppose you. That's right. But to love him. That's right. To serve him. And, you know, because yeah. I think sometimes it comes across that we're just trying to win an argument. Yeah. We just need to show them our devotion. It's just our devotion to our faith. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, it, they think that we're trying to win or that you're being judgmental. You know, right, you're, yeah. you're judging me for my. And so I think that's a good opportunity to say, hey, I, I'm not the authority. God's word is the authority. Your problem's not with me. Your problem is, is you're not submitting to the word of God. And there, there's a loving way to say that. You know, uh, I'm just trying to live my life according to the word of God. So to close, uh, if the fastest growing religion is now secularism, Maybe part of that is we're, we need to do a better job of showing them the other option. That's right. And that is that this isn't all there is. That's right. And in, in my study, one of the things I noticed was so many people, they've never met a Christian. They don't know what a Christian looks like. Right. So if if we could be that person, be the Lord, uh, be, represent Christ well, well, we'll show them, hey, there is another option. You know, if you'd like to right now, I mean, you're watching this, you're listening to this, you're like, you know what, I've heard this, and, and you know, I think I think I would like to – to be redeemed, I, I think. I think this isn't all there is, and I've never. I, hey, maybe you're saying I've never really had that happen in my life before. Well, Scripture tells us that if we believe in our heart, we can't do that for you. I mean, we don't know, Barry, and I don't know the sincerity of your heart, but God does. And it's not words that are going to save you; it's Christ that's going to save you. But if it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is Lord, meaning you leave authority, that's that faith part. You leave authority in yourself and you put your faith in Him. Mm-hmm. And then the grace part comes and you say, I know that your Father rose you from the dead on the third day. I do believe that you paid the price that, that has to be paid for my sin, that Jesus, only you have paid it, and I, and I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. Amen. If you're sincere, Scripture says that He will. And if we can help you in any way, you can reach out to me, rick at rickandbubba.com. I'd love to talk to you about any decision that maybe you made today. Uh, that you'd like to know more about. And Barry, thank you for taking time to be with us today. You're very welcome. And thanks to all of you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.